He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, do you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud? Welcome to Munson's at the Movies. My name is Kyle. I will be your host. I'm once again here with the rest of the Munson's. want to give them a wide berth. He's what is called a horn loser. A real Munson. <laughs> and talk a little bit about what's going on in their worlds. Case, you're up first this week. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say, boys, that I double booked our show, our podcast, with giving blood. Uh, I had to figure out a way to do both. I ran over and gave blood, and, and one of the benefits of being a little bit stressed out and a little bit running low on time is I, uh, I gave blood very quickly tonight. It took me like four minutes and 12 seconds, and I looked at the lady. She goes, oh, you're done already. And I jokingly said, I was like, oh, man, I, I must have been bleeding as fast as like an open wound. <laughs> and she so seriously looked back at me and goes, oh, no, sir, you would have been bleeding a lot worse than that. <laughs> You've clearly never seen an open wound before. <laughs> If we don't hear from Case for an extended period of time, just assume he passed yeah. out from blood loss. <laughs> yep. He fainted, and, and that's that. <laughs> he wakes up all sweaty. Just sweating it out for the Munsons today. Warren. I took a shower today, and uh, that's pretty much it uh, this past week. Yeah, Craig, usually when someone's like, oh my gosh, are you done already? Usually you have to apologize, but congrats on you for, for being on <laughs> the schedule. So uh, that's it for me. Someone's got to carry the torch, philanthropic deeds, and that's Craig. We appreciate you, man. James. <laughs> yeah, similar to Craig, I was double booked. I had my uh, daily depression nap scheduled for now, but I was able to move it aside, and I'm glad to be here with you guys. <laughs> Hopefully we brighten up your day a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, Rigby. It's hot as hell here in Vegas, man. It's like 115 today. Other than that, things are good. Ready to talk some Mr. Ali. I'm excited. Well, in my world, uh, you guys don't know this because I didn't tell you by the group text. I was cutting my grass today, so doing a lot of household chores that Warren likes to so eloquently talk about almost every time we record. Um, I was putting my mower back in my little shed, and it's too small for me to just put it in standalone. So I have to loosen the little knobs and, and bend the handle down. Well... I was loosening both knobs on both sides and it swiftly dropped down and I cut the shit out of my middle finger on my left hand to the point where I may or may not need stitches and it's been painful all day. Are you a lefty or a righty when you play baseball? I'm a righty, so that's a good thing. All right, so you're still good. That's all that matters, yep. man. The rest of that doesn't matter. Well, when I texted my captain, I was like, good news and bad news. Cut my hand, good news. I can put that finger outside of my glove i can still pitch i can play defense bad news i can't swing a bat probably for no a week yeah so there's no, no way dude just bunt <laughs> yeah pretty nah. much become the one pierre of you know <laughs> over 30 baseball all that drag bunting i did in high school it's gonna come out and pay off right now, all that speed so. you have oh yeah with that surgically repaired knee of mine yeah. i'm really just flying on the base path so other than that i'm fantastic i'm excited because i get a chance to introduce our next guest Munson, and that's Mike Rodmaker. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, man. Yeah, Mike. Welcome yeah. aboard. Rodmaker. Yo, and he's born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, so hey, hey Warren lives there. Yeah. Cincinnati we, area. Where do you live now? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles now. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. It's like Rigby knows the script. Ron Maker moved to LA in 2016 to pursue a career in photography and film. His work in those fields is focused on the outdoors, sports, and documentary filmmaking. He's an avid runner, climber, movie nerd, and popcorn enthusiast. And let me tell you, this guy has got some fantastic photography. Follow him on IG. Drop that at the end, Mike. Drop your IG so people can follow you and see your photography. I know that's going to come, but we got to make sure we hit that. Movies he's seen the most. Lord of the Rings trilogy, two towers, four times in the theaters. That's a lot of time. Wow. That's, that's sitting a in a seat. That. Yeah, man. That's commitment. You get a lot of time in middle school. Just that's saying. 15, 15 <laughs> hours of uh, one movie. That's oh, time yeah. well spent. That's a great trilogy. <laughs> um, and then this is this is a fantastic little fun fact. His most memorable film experience was seeing Jimmy Chin's and Elizabeth Chai Vasa Heli award-winning mountaineering documentary Maru at the Sundance Film Festival and meeting Jimmy Chin, Raina Oesterk, and Conrad Anker. I hope I didn't butcher their names. That is an awesome documentary. I saw it a few years back. Tell our audience a little bit about the legend of Maru. So this is what they call, uh, it's a mountain in the Himalayas. Uh, it's kind of known as the unclimbable mountain. It takes uh, quite a bit of mountaineering skills, but also technical climbing skills. You're hauling a bunch of gear. Normally, you kind of get one of these angles when you're trying to be a first ascent. And just a lot of people are really skilled in one, but not two or three of these different fields. So the documentary ultimately covers, uh, initially, they were 100 feet from the summit when they got kind of beaten back by some, uh, some rough weather. And the documentary follows all three of their commitment as climbing partners and life challenges uh, in the time between the first climb and then when they would ultimately make another attempt at the first ascent years later. It's really, really interesting. Just, you know, you get so many correlations between the personal struggles and what struggles and makes it tough on the mountain. It's quite poetic, if if I can be so bold to say. (laughs) Wow, that's cool. Dude, you told me on it. (laughs) <laughs> isn't jimmy chin the same guy who was part of the the free solo project yeah so jimmy yep. is a okay. professional climber he's known alex honnold for years and years and he and his wife co-directed that one as well and obviously met a whole lot of commercial success and, and certainly award success with that one as well and i didn't look that up and just like set it up inauthentically I, i'm sitting there thinking because i'm comparing maru and free solo and that I forget what the name of that mountain is. That El, yeah, Capitan. No, El Capitan. Yeah. But Maru, I remember it's like this super flat surface. It's not nearly as big, but the skill set it took to climb that was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The shark's fin is amazing. And it helps that Jimmy Chan is a National Geographic photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That'll help your uh, documentary oh, project yeah. for sure. <laughs> so, well, Mike, we're gl- glad to have you, brother. Hope you enjoy uh, your guest months and experience, man. Yeah. Super excited. Welcome aboard, Let's Mike. Let's do it. We got birthdays, August twenty seventh. Warren, yeah, what a what a great day for birthdays. First off, we got Peter Stormare from Fargo, Armageddon, The Big Lebowski, and the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Not to be confused with Mister Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Also, Until Dawn with Rami Malek. Yes, but did anybody see the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus? It was like Heath Ledger's last movie. Nope. No, it's it no. sucked absolute ass. Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I think of when I hear that. Yeah, exactly. So how old is Peter Stormare? He looks old as fuck. He's uh, looked old as fuck since far I know. <laughs> I'm going to go 60 on the dot, Warren. 67. 55 for Case. Let me get 50, 58. 
Give me American components, Russian components. <laughs> oh, made in Taiwan. 63. <laughs> James, 67 on the dot. Oh, holy oh, okay. shit. Damn. Damn. Oh, like wow. he, he looks good for 67. No, it's because he's looked bad his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> he's looked 58 since Fargo. And yeah, then, right. uh, 30 years ago. Yeah. And then as Carl Hungus and the Big Lebowski, he looked right. like 30. <laughs> <laughs> So next next up we got Aaron Paul, uh, Breaking Bad, Bojack Horseman, Van Wilder, and Capex. Capex, <laughs> isn't Capex? Yeah, he's in Capex. You think Ward uh, wouldn't do his fucking homework? Come on. I thought for sure you were gonna say Need for Speed. Yeah, that's that's too too low hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Paul, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I think he's 38. Uh, 43. I was gonna go 42. I'm going to lowball you, James. 44. Oh, my God. <laughs> Box you right in. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if we're playing that game, Rigby, I'm going 45. Oh, my Lord. He's 41. All you guys went over except for uh, Hickman, right? You went 38? Yeah. yeah. I went 38. Price is right rules. I'll take it, baby. Right. We got one more. Last but not least, we got Mr. Paul Peewee Herman Rubens from Peewee oh, Herman, shit. Blow, Mystery Men, and Dunstan Checks In. <laughs> American classics. He's he's. I think he's older than we all think. So I'm, I'm gonna go with 64, 58, 61, 67, 65. Paul Rubens is 68. Oh, nice. Oh, Rodmaker. That was Mike. The win. Yeah, we love a guest nice. W. So that was uh, that was all the birthdays for today. Um, seriously, nobody else had a birthday today. It's crazy. So we had five actors that we pulled off our mega list. Those five were Jeremy Hawkeye Renner, Billy Crystal, Sandra Bullock, Diane, Bird Lady's sister, Lad. <laughs> and as we have previously discussed, Mahershala Ali, born Mahershala Hashbaz, Hashbaz Gilmore. Um, and that's who we're going to be digging into today. So given that he clearly has changed his name at some point, you know it's going to be an interesting discussion. As always, we'll get started with a little trivia from James. Yeah, Mike, so to uh, give you a heads up here, I'm going to do two truths and a lie. And the lie is always an actual fact about one of the cast members of the Fast and the Furious franchise. So I'm going to read off three facts here, and you're going to guess which one is the lie. Before I read off those facts, though, everyone in the Munson group chat was aware of this fact, and I was not, so I'm not going to include it in one of but he actually played four years of Division One basketball at St. Mary's, where uh, he was quite a three-point shooter. Uh, he got a scholarship to play there and shot 35% from three. <laughs> I'm not going to include that because apparently all you guys already knew that. I didn't know that, but I thought it'd be cool for our listeners to hear that. I wasn't aware he was that athletic. That's pretty badass. Aside from that, I will get into the other three facts. Start with number one. His father was a professional Broadway dancer who also star- uh, had a role in the Malcolm X movie. Fact number two, before acting, he was a rapper who had collaborated and performed with notable artists, such as Talib Kweli, on the song It's Like That. And fact number three, his mother, aunt, and grandmother are all ordained Christian ministers, despite him being a devout Muslim. Dude, I don't know. That's a really fucking good, man. So I'm going to say it's number two. I know he was a rapper. I don't think he did some collabs with... Uh with them, and that was definitely Lucas Black from Tokyo Drift. 
<laughs> Damn, that's really good, James. I'm gonna go three. Give me one for the lie. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one for the lie as well. I am going to say that it uh, that that Paul Walker's dad was actually in Malcolm X, and it was not <laughs> Mahershala Ali's dad. Yes, well-known well activist Paul Walker. Fact number one is, in fact, true. His father was a professional Broadway dancer, uh, actually had a role in Malcolm X with Denzel Washington. Fact number three is also true. His mother, aunt, and grandmother all ordained Christian ministers, despite the fact that he is a devout Muslim. And fact number two, Lucas sometimes Black. it's just Lucas so Black. obvious, Black. it's hitting you right in the face. It's clearly a ludicrous fact. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but here is uh, where I tried to trip you guys up in case you did the same research I did. Mahershala was a rapper before he started acting, and in fact, actually did collaborate with uh, Talib Kweli, only it was on his mixtape called Curbside Service. It's like that is a ludicrous song. Curbside Service is Ali's actual mixtape. He's actually a huge hip-hop fan, and he creates hip-hop-based playlists that he listens to in order to get into characters, and he does it for each one. Wow. And he's even actually named as Cat Nas, so I respect that as well. Yeah. Nas is great. Mm -hmm. Those are good, James. Yep. You're getting damn good at that. We're on your trail. Yeah, he, he figured us out. I got to trip you guys up somehow. I got to make it like almost the same facts. That second fact sniffed of a uh, ludicrous, but <laughs> you know, that's that it though. They're on number one. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mahershala's snapshot and box office history. Yeah. He's one of the easily one of the more stable or steady performers we've had with the movies that he's been a part of really only two bombs, right? Crossing over which I had to do extra research to find out he was in that movie, and that movie ended up losing $15 million. And then the other one, Free State of Jones, it was budgeted for $50 million and it lost 25 However, the thing that stood out to me the most is that the movies that he's in are getting, they're averaging a 15 times the return on investment, Ooh. which puts him at fourth. However, the thing that stood out Take, you guys, take a guess on where he ranks in our critic list. Of, of our 17 actors, where is he on the critic ranking? First. Yeah, he's got to be top five. It's got to be say. number one. Or top three, yeah. If you look at Rotten Tomatoes, of all the movies he's listed, I don't think Crossing Over is there. Only two are not certified fresh, and that's Supremacy and Free State of Jones. Everything wow. else is high. It's like 60 or higher. So he comes in number two behind JGL, oh, wow. the original. OG. And... Guess what he is in our fan He's ranking? Be high too. Eight, two behind uh, Jessica Chastain. He is number two, but he's not behind Jessica Chastain. The highest fan ranking for us is actually Chris Tucker. Mm -hmm. I buy it. Oh my god! He's in our top two in critic ranking and fan ranking. The only time anybody's been close on our critic and fan ranking averages are when it's low. Oh, like they're both. Yeah, that makes sense. To have somebody that's two in both, that's crazy. Consistent across the board, beloved by fans and critics alike, and it's impressive because he's. He's really mm -hmm. only been acting for 20 years and yeah, significantly for 12 years, which we'll get into. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Before we get into his uh, film and TV work, he's, he's done a lot of TV work. Let's talk a little bit about what his life looked like pre-2001, because as we mentioned, he's, he's gone by a couple different names and played basketball. He's done a, a lot of stuff. He was at St. Mary's, California. He played under the name Herschel Gilmore. I saw his points per game average was pretty low, but he was hitting 
threes. He could. He was basically like every kid we played uh, in Indiana in the uh, men's league, James. Just draining threes. <laughs> Only he's doing it against D1 athletes, and they're doing it yeah. against our fat. So yeah. it's I a little <laughs> different. I saw one like highlight reel clip on YouTube, and he was pretty tenacious on the boards, man. Wasn't necessarily graceful, but he was a high-energy player from what I could tell. A real glue guy. Yeah, exactly. While he was in college, uh, he started to dabble in the world of acting. Um, and he got to start with doing poetry slams. That's what first intrigued him into that. And then he was in a play called Spunk. And then after he graduated, he was an apprentice with the California Shakespeare Festival. And then he went on to NYU, got his master's in fine arts there and graduated in 2000. And that's also when he converted to Islam in 2000 and changed his last name from Gilmore to Ali. His first name, Mahershalal Hashbaz, is a biblical name. Don't ask me to cite the exact place in the Bible, but it's a biblical name. A lot of really interesting things before he started his acting career in 2001. So 2001, he's in a show called Crossing Jordan. That was his acting start. Played Dr. Trey Sanders. Um, that, that show went on for two years. And then he did, a you know, typical of a lot of guys getting their start in acting. He was in a lot of one-episode drops of different shows. So he was in Haunted, NYPD Blue, CSI, The Handler. So a lot of just appearance, cameo appearances, just getting his face and his name out there. And then he was in a movie called Making Revolution in 03. Again, more TV work, 2003 in Threat Matrix. And then really what's considered his first breakout role in TV, he was in a show called The 4400. He played a character named Richard Tyler. I guess what's important to note about that show, it had a three-year run, and he was in all the seasons. So it was a pretty prominent role early in his career. As James had mentioned before, he is the uh, used to have a, a rapping career as Prince Ali, and he released two albums. Uh, he released Ensemble in 2006 and Curbside Service in 07. I've listened to curbside service on spotify the other day and i didn't hate it it's very lyrical it is and i appreciate people who uh, go that route but that's not something you'll bump at a party so it's hard to kind of break into the rap world when you are trying to get a message across immediately first thing people want to hear from you is like hey i want to play this while i'm dancing and you cannot do that to any of his songs it makes sense that he's collabed with Talib Kweli and Loves Now because they have very similar styles when it comes yep. to rapping. So all that leads up to 2008 and we run into his first feature film and that's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Warren. I remember watching this uh, probably about 2010 and uh, came out in 2008 so I watched it again, finished it up yesterday. It's like a two hour and 40 minute movie so it was like a, a three-parter. The movie itself, I think a lot of people probably know the general premise Brad Pitt plays a guy named Benjamin Button who ages in reverse. So he was born like a wrinkly old nutsack of a man and then <laughs> dies as a, like an infant at 84 years old. And so it's, it's interesting because it was one of the first real movies that they did. Uh, they digitally imposed Brad Pitt's like an aged face over older people. They really did it just about as well as the Irishman, uh, all things considered. This movie was like, it was a much more boring Forrest Gump kind of story where it's like this guy who goes on these incredible adventures and he's this like completely different person, travels all around, meets a lot of really interesting people. But it's just kind of funny that, you know, 12 years later, 
I think we're all kind of laughing knowing that like, well, it's no wonder they cast Brad Pitt in this because he actually probably ages in reverse anyways. So he <laughs> looks better now than he did in 2008. Mahershala has a really small role in it, but he plays uh, Taraji P. Henson's love interest. And they are kind of like the adoptive parents of Benjamin Button. When he is born, his mom passes away during childbirth and his dad has no idea what to do and he's mad. And so he abandons him on a, the doorstep of this like old folks home that uh, Taraji P. Henson and uh, Mahershala kind of run together. So he's only in it for maybe five minutes or so. You know, he, he's kind of this like initial character. He's kind of grounding for uh, Taraji's character because she's like, I'm going to keep this kid. This kid's here for a reason. She was struggling being able to have a kid. And so this was like a sign from God. So he's he's kind of in and out, um, but he you know they show him getting older. Is Brad Pitt is getting younger in the in the movie? It's, it's shot beautifully. David Fincher did it, and you know he's done some some incredible movies. But really great cast: Brad Pitt, Kate Blanchett, Taraji P Henson, Jason Fleming, uh, Tilda Swinton. It's pretty impressive film wise. Like it won uh, Academy Awards for like best makeup, best visual effects, things like that. And that's really all the movie should be known for. I mean, it's it's really really fucking long. <laughs> it was based on a book by F. Scott Fitzgerald. I guess they did it justice. I didn't read the book because <laughs> if it's a two hour and forty minute movie, it's probably an eight hundred page book. And it's I'm an anthology, not, bro. I'm not fucking touching it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever met anybody who was like, "Oh, that movie thumped." Uh, it was like, yeah, it just yeah. wouldn't. I love David Fincher. Yeah, I, in my in my eyes, you know, he hasn't even he's never made a bad movie, including this one. Mm-hmm. While Ali, I don't really remember his role very much in it. Um, I do remember Taraji B. Henson being awesome in it. Yeah. Um, Kate Blanchett obviously being awesome in it and Brad mm-hmm. Pitt. Um, the one thing I would say about it is that it was too long. If you tell a, uh, a story about a guy's life in reverse, it's going to probably be a long movie. So. <laughs> I understand a lot, that. A lot to unpack. For his first film role, it's a pretty big movie for him to be in, even if it's in a small role. Uh, pretty significant at that point in his career. Yeah. 2009 to 2013, he's in a movie that... Craig had mentioned that lost a shitload of money called Crossing Over. Plays a detective in that one. He did what every actor is supposed to do at some point in their career. He was in one episode of Law or SVU in 09. <laughs> probably as someone who was up to naughty things. Or is, you know, uh, tracked down by some creepy dude. That's usually how those things go in SVU. Um, I'm sure Ice Cube was perplexed as to what was going on in that particular case. He was in two TV movies in 2010 called The Wrong Man and All Signs of Death. Guarantee you guys have never seen them, but that's okay. He did other projects. He was getting some decent work. And then uh, in 2010, he was also in Predators as Mombasa. Movie rocked. <laughs> yeah. It's just dumb fun. Like, you don't need to go in there being like, ooh, is this going to be like live up to the other Predator hype? Because it's not. You go in there and you eat popcorn and you die laughing at some of the lines they think are serious that aren't really that serious. And you watch brutal, brutal murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marshala does not. Uh, make it out of this one alive spoiler alert doesn't matter <laughs> who cares uh, but he dies a brutal brutal death just like every other character in them yeah is he i've never seen it is he good in that action role but he's really not in it all that long he's like the second person who dies the kind of plot device is these are all like 
the best killers on Earth, and they all get dropped onto the Predator's planet, where the Predator hunts all the best killers on Earth. And he's like a Sierra Leone kind of like, uh, death death squad yeah, member. Like a, so- yeah, like one of those those soldiers, mm. and he doesn't talk that much. But there's a bunch of actors who have like side roles like that. Like Danny Trejo is uh, part of the uh, cartel Danny. and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and they all just die horrific deaths. <laughs> He's he said he had a great time filming it. They filmed in Hawaii and they filmed in Texas, and he was like, "I, I had an absolute blast filming." Nice. This is the lowest audio audience ranking he has. Total, it's 52. I'm going to stand up for my buddy Ben, and he would be so pissed if I didn't say anything, if I said anything negative about this movie, because he would probably <laughs> say that was probably the best movie of 2010 for him. <laughs> Ooh. Very rarely do the critics like movies more than the audience does. Well, these kind of movies, especially. Yeah, in this case, 65 critic, 52 audience. This movie is important in uh, Ali's career, because this is the time, the first time he connects with Robert Rodriguez, I believe. Yeah. They get together, you know, on Alita Battle Angel, which I'll talk about later. Yep. A lot of connections. Also learned a cool fact that he has died uh, the second most of any star that we have reviewed next to Ken Watanabe. <laughs> That's wow. In movies where Watanabe, two-thirds of his characters have died, it looks like uh, Marshall has died about, like, 12 times. It's about 50% of the roles he's played he's died. <laughs> Look out, Sean Bean. Mahershala is coming for you. (laughs) That's a good little drop. So we've got another actor who was in a a video game. We had Rami a few episodes ago, and we talked about his work in Until Dawn, which had that fantastic end quote that we used at the end of the episode. (laughs) Leave it to the pros, bros! (laughs) This is the first of two video games that he's in. He's in CSI Fatal Conspiracy in 2010. Also in 2010 is when he officially started using Mahershala as his name in acting instead of Mahershala al-Hashbaz. I read a little fun fact that he just kind of got to the point where it was like they started having to like cut his name off on promo posters for movies and he's like all right i gotta shorten this damn thing so people stop yelling at me about how long my name is because it's 18 <laughs> letters he did it mostly out of convenience for marketing but I, I think it's done probably a lot for his career in terms of just knowing who he is and then he was on a show called treme as anthony king I think it was by the same guy who did the wire mm-hmm. and treme is a it's a neighborhood in new orleans it talks about them kind of rebuilding uh, mm-hmm. the neighborhood, rebuilding after Katrina. 2011 to 2012, so at the same time, he's filming a show called Alphas as a character named Nathan Clay. And then he also fil- did the film work uh, for a character called Kofi in the movie The Place Beyond the Pines, which was a big uh, Ryan Gosling role. I remember that. Uh, when this movie first came out, I remember really liking it. And then I rewatched it. I didn't like it as much as I thought I did in my head. It was good. It's just... I think it, it tries too hard to be a little too artsy. Yeah. And Mahershala, it plays the boyfriend of Eva Mendez. And Eva Mendez has a son with Ryan Gosling in the movie. And he's like this like kind of white trash carnival worker. And uh, Mahershala plays a guy named Kofi who's like got his act together, owns a house. And so he's like the rich boyfriend that Gosling could never be. But he's only in it for a little while. But he's good in it. And I think all the acting in the movie is good. It's just not as good as I thought it was when I first saw it. And technically, his largest critic app is a movie called Gopher Sisters. We were going to review this for the pod. We struggled to f- get access to it. We finally did about a day ago. And, but by that time, we had already changed gears. So 
I was kind of digging the vibe. It's got like a take-in vibe to it. Mahershal is literally in it for one scene. He plays a, a character named Dez, who I think is a lawyer. The rest of it is uh, these two sisters and this guy trying to track down their son in Mexico. And then finally, from 2013 to 2016, really probably where he became widely known in the, in pub, in the public sphere of uh, pop culture and television, uh, he was in House of Cards as Remy Danton. His performance in, in House of Cards is, um, I think, probably what launched him into, into stardom. I agree. He plays a lobbyist in it, see, and I remember his, his view, you know, he's like this very wealthy lobbyist, like he's got all nice clothes, suits, and cars and shit. His view has like the perfect background of like the Capitol building in it, and I just remember being like, I, wanna, I want that guy's life. <laughs> <laughs> he's, very, he's very like charming in it, but also very intense. I think that mm-hmm. showed his, uh, his acting skills and really set him off to, to be the star that he is today. I mentioned to my wife that we Viewing him, she goes, "Oh, that's the hot guy from House of Cards." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I just remember watching it. He he's got such a powerful presence in that show. Anytime he's 100%. on the screen, like yep. you just you're locked into him. Especially when you got some big names around him too. And there's a lot of drama in that show, but he really captures it. Yeah, at least that's what stuck out to me. Yeah, I think charisma is the word that I would describe him. Just like he just oozes it. He's got a magnetic personality on screen. He does. In yep. most of his roles. 2014, we hit his lowest critic score. This is by far his l- the least successful project he was in. It's a movie called Supremacy. It's got a 28 from the critics on IMDb and a 5.7 from the audiences. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 27 from the critics, but an 84 from audiences. So Ooh, what? I don't think I've seen a gap that big before. That's crazy. That's, That's huge. That means this movie points. fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Warren is now intrigued. 2784, you say? <laughs> Tell me more. It's a, uh, th- anybody, a thousand user ratings, too. Did anybody watch <laughs> Supremacy other than me? No, because I thought it sucked. No. Okay. Now I hear it's awesome. <laughs> Which, well, what's weird, too, is usually if there's a disparity, it's usually on IMDb. Usually users would rate it higher on IMDb than Rotten Tomatoes. And my on just my background of, of searching films, this one, it, it, it's almost 30 points higher on Rotten Tomatoes from the audiences. So it's pretty wild. Mahershala's character is in it for technically two scenes. It's really one scene, but it's chopped up into two different scenes in the film. If you haven't seen Supremacy, the basic gist is um, it's inspired by real events. I say inspired by real events because there's some creative license here. There's a white neo-Nazi played by Joe Anderson who who was in prison for 15 years. They never tell you why. Uh, something related to his neo-Nazi buddies. He gets out, and the day he gets out, he gets p- picked up by this woman. They end up getting stopped by a cop, which is Mahershala Ali. All they show you on the front end is our very quick exchange. Next thing you know, it's assumed that this character kills the cop, Mahershala's character. And then they go escape. They hide in a house. The dad of the family is played by Danny Glover, who is pretty excellent in the movie. Danny Glover, it was a good reminder of how good of an actor Danny Glover is. Danny Glover, there's family. It's not his original family. He's a stepdad for these, what, four kids and, and his wife. Derek Luke plays his son, who they don't have a relationship, but he's like this really energetic cop who's trying to solve this murder. So the, the movie centers around them trying to find these two who killed this cop, who are hiding in this house and navigating a lot of racism. Lots of N-bombs being thrown. 
lots of racial stereotypes, you know, typical stuff you would hear a neo-Nazi say from like American History X or, or any other movie similar to that. Even though his role is small, the entire movie is dedicated to that cop who was murdered because in, in real life, this guy escaped or got out of jail, went, killed this cop who was, his name was Frank Vasquez Treo. He's a Hispanic guy. So they changed the skin color of the, the cop to fit the narrative of the movie of the black and white guy you know, going at each other. So I think that's part of the reason why critics shit on it. There's not much to say about Mahershala's character. He doesn't have to do much. He just has to die in the street. That's that's pretty much it. He has to say, show me your license and registration. 50% of the time he dies. In- exactly. Yeah. 50% me- of the time he's go. dead, every time. <laughs> every time. If you want to say he did a calm cop asking for license and registration, well, uh, he did that, I guess, pretty much textbook by the book. That's that's all I'll say on that front. How much money did it lose, Craig? Yeah, it lost one point eight million. That's not that bad. <laughs> that's not too bad. Well, it's not that bad considering it had a two million dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, that's horrific. I'm sorry. <laughs> they got that two million dollars. They got Glover and Luke for that. Well, good for them. Moving forward, 2014 to 2016, he is in both of the Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part One and Two as Boggs. He's in a movie called Kicks. Uh, in 2016. Oh, I like how we just like skipped over The Hunger Games, like one of the most successful movie franchises of the last 10 years, because Good. none of us let's have keep, seen it. Yeah. Let's, let's keep going, Kyle. It, it was The Hunger Games. <laughs> you ever heard of it? Anyway, now onto this movie you definitely haven't heard of. <laughs> Instead of watching The Hunger Games, I watched The Condemned or like any one of those other movies featured a bunch of WWE rock stars just killing each other on an island. <laughs> 12 blocks, the Marine. (laughs) I mean, hell, Predators is a better version of this. Mm -hmm. I've seen both of them, but I have nothing profound to say or positive to say. So I figured I would just keep moving on. It's a very successful book, I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say this. He he was in two big blockbuster films in a really successful franchise, which has Mm -hmm. given him access to younger audiences. Mm -hmm. That was nice of you. Yeah. Factors (laughs) into our pop culture aspect. Of the Munson meter that we'll hit later. There you go. And then finally, in 2016, he was in the Free State of Jones as a character named Moses. Never seen it. The end. <laughs> like you said, Kyle, I do remember it. It did have a huge star leading the, the movie, Matthew McConaughey. I remember seeing the trailer for it. I'm like, meh, not for me. Apparently, a lot of other people thought that way, too, because it didn't do very well at the box office. I think it had a 47 on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It it had a ton of hype. I just yeah. remember everybody going, ooh, that was a collective letdown. His highest critic score was in 2016. It's a, a little project called Moonlight. Don't know if anybody listening has ever heard of it. It may have won a major award, and James is going to talk about it. Now, a positive spoiler alert. He actually won his first Academy Award for this role, and this movie rocks, and I will read the synopsis in my thoughts. And if you disagree with me, I'm just going to say right now, you're just a homophobic racist. So that's, <laughs> you're either on one side or the other. And that'd be that. <laughs> so the uh, synopsis of this movie is young African-American boy named Chiron. It is all about him kind of grappling with identity, his sexuality, while kind of experiencing the struggles of being a kid in a, a living in poverty and kind of not understanding what is going on and finding himself. Um, it's told through three different 
perspectives at three different points of his life. So one of the segments is when he's a small child. One is when he's a teenager in high school and the other is when he's like a young adult. I think it's like late 20s, maybe early 30s. Mahershala actually plays Juan, who's only in the first part of the movie. And he's like a local drug dealer who ends up becoming a father figure to Chiron after he kind of finds him in a crack house where Chiron was like hiding to escape school bullies. Juan actually knows Chiron because he sells his mother drugs, but then uh, he ends up playing a a very instrumental part in Chiron's life and kind of the man he's going to become. The boy that he kind of is on the outside, drugs have impacted his relationship with his mother. He also is impacted the inside by his relationship with Juan. So Chiron's evolving sexuality is shown each of the three acts of the movie, and it's slowly kind of revealed to the audience where this movie teaches the audience kind of how to watch it, it, and it doesn't hold your hand through the process. So by the time you kind of figure out where this story is going, you're like, wait, I, then I must have missed some things in the first part here. I think this movie is told beautifully. It's a story I have never, I've never seen put on film before. I think it is uh, about masculinity and sexuality and its relation to race and socioeconomic standing. And at each stage, Chiron, the main character, has a different understanding of kind of himself, the people around him, and how those two things should relate. Uh, Mahershala is fantastic, and I think he plays a lot off what we had previously mentioned, where he is this kind of intimidating, commanding presence. There's a warmness there. There's a charisma there. And he ends up being a, like, it's odd to say, but for a drug dealer, he becomes a positive role model in this character's life. Um, I know that there are some thoughts that are held amongst this group, but I will say this uh, so we can discuss it here, but I will say this. I rewatched this movie, and again, I was blown away by how good it was, and I'm still impressed with his performance, and I still think this movie lives up to the hype. That scene where, once he realizes he, his people are the ones selling the drugs to Chiron's mom is when he like has that existential crisis, of like, oh shit, I'm not the person I'm trying to be in Chiron's life. Like, that just... Oh, that was my favorite. I, I love it, too, because Chiron, as a kid, is, you know, sitting at the dinner table with him, just asks him, are you a drug dealer? And, you know, super quiet and reserved, yes. And does my mom, my mom does drugs, right? And you just see him just fall apart right there. Yep. The play between the drama and, like, the, the guilt and the self-realization with the innocence of the kid and seeing the people he's hurting just really, I think, steals the show on that one. I also love um, how a drug dealer in a very hard neighborhood in uh, South Florida is having a very nuanced and reaffirming conversation about sexuality with like a nine-year-old boy who doesn't really know what's happening. It's a nine-year-old boy who eventually grows up to be gay, but at that age, he's asking questions that like a nine-year-old would ask, which is, how come everyone is picking on me and everyone's calling me these homophobic slurs? Mahershala's character is navigating that conversation really well and like being reaffirming to this young boy. It is, it's, it's just a very interesting story that I think is told very well. I like the movie, I'm not going to lie. And Mahershala obviously crushed it. He won Best Supporting Actor for it, as James mentioned. And everything that you said, James, about Mahershala's performance, I completely agree with. The one thing I would say is it. I think it moves a little slow. I, th- I think that's a fair critique. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a slow, especially the second and third acts. They're they're slow, but it's if you stick it out for the the character arcs, then it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I will say about this movie 
it will always have a place in my heart because of what it did to La La Land because I fucking hated La La Land. <laughs> I hated that movie. And the fact that my heart was officially broken for two minutes when they wrongly announced that La La Land had won and then they and then they, they mistakenly said, actually, Moonlight's the winner. That I've been watching the Oscars for 20 years now and that was probably the, uh, the worst two minutes of Oscar joy followed by the best two minutes of Oscar joy. I, I just remember, God, like it was very clear something was wrong when the stage hands were hanging out in the corner of the stage. And yeah. Just, oh, I was like watching a train wreck. <laughs> it was hard to watch from, cause I like, I like Warren Beatty and I like Faye Dunaway. Those two together are great. Um, but they just, they, they got, you know, it was definitely the, uh, the people from the, I can't remember the accounting firm who like, it handles all the ballots and stuff, it's but Price what Price, Price, Price Waterhouse Cooper, yeah, they were the ones who obviously fucked it up, and I think those people got fired. But poor, poor Warren Beatty and uh, Faye Dunaway had to had to take the take the blame uh, in front of everybody. But back to Moonlight, this movie rocks. It, it's it's definitely like a seventy like seventy five to maybe like seventy eight range for me, and I loved the first two parts. Then I, I enjoyed kind of the beginning of part three when he goes and visits his mom. But then it just like it really kind of fell flat for me at the end. Like I thought the little kid, the kid, the young kid was incredible. And I thought I thought the teenage kid was like very great as well. It di- It is it is a little slow. But I, I just for me at the end, it didn't really have this like moment where I was just like, boom like this like ultimate just like this last like punch that just kind of like pushed it over the edge and i was waiting for something like that to happen and it just it just never did and so i was just kind of not completely fulfilled right but yeah, i mean it is beautifully shot it is like a very the close-ups the intense yeah. close-ups that's very Jenkins. it's a very powerful yeah. story and it addresses so many things like First film with an all-black cast, first LGBTQ-related film, and the second lowest-grossing film domestically to win an Oscar for Best Picture. And also, this movie made me start loving Janelle Monae. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's incredible, and Hidden Figures as well. The most underrated actress of this movie is Naomi Harris in her role as a mom. She's so hateable. Yeah. She's so hateable and commits so hard. Oh, yeah. Absolutely brutal. The scene in Moonlight when he finally stands up to bully in the second act. Awesome. I damn near fucking jumped out of my chair. The second, I knew it was coming. And I was like, I, I think he lets this guy off too easy. I think this is too easy. And he's going to jail for like years afterwards. I was like, hell yeah. The music for the whole buildup and everything. Yep. What's he going to do? do? He just treats it like a WWE match and just roasts. <laughs> I'm surprised somebody hasn't dubbed Lawler in uh, <laughs> J- JR over top of oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no don't do it no regard for human life all right well that's moonlight good discussion all right 2016 to 2017 before we talk about the stand-in for largest critic app uh he was in uh, marvel's luke cage series on netflix he played a character named cornell cottonmouth stokes he was the heavy in that one and i think a damn good heavy in that show dude i rewatched it he was the best part He's the best part. It's not even close. It's not yeah. even close. He's the best part. I looked up why he wasn't in more of it, and it was funny because everyone on Twitter had like the same reaction. They were like, 
Vecchio, Luke Cage pretty much ruined the show by killing off the best character. And <laughs> I think like either di- the director or the writer of the show wrote back like two people who were saying that. Like we can only afford to have him for seven episodes, so we had to figure out something to do with the character. <laughs> it's like we agree. Yeah, you know, it's like apparently he's a big time star in 2015. He's got a price tag on. Dude, he was he's just such a good bad guy. I would imagine Feige already had him pegged for true. Uh, Blade. Well, so he was like, yeah, you might be right. He was like, get him the fuck out of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, we can't have to kill him off, and uh, we'll, we'll resurrect him as a new character in uh, Phase 4 and beyond. Yeah, James, he's, I, I've learned by watching a lot of his stuff, I think some of the best work he does is as a heavy. I think yep. he's a, he's a yep. good, he's just a good bad guy. It's the presence. It's like he commands your attention. And when you're like, oh, he's kind of charming, but he's also a little intimidating and scary. And when you could play that into like, a, am a mobster and a drug dealing kind of kingpin. It's like, damn, this is he was mm-hmm. he was the best part of the show. Yep. Mm-hmm. So also in 2016, uh, we see him pairing up again with Taraji B. Henson in uh, Hidden Figures. He played Colonel Jim Johnson. Movie rocks. And Janelle Monet. Yep. Yeah, that's true. I watched this for the first time last week. Oh, Same here. It, it was just because like I never got around to watching. I remember my wife watched it a couple years ago. She watched it on a flight, and she was like, "You got to watch this." I was like, "I would," but I got all these other shitty movies I got to watch from the, <laughs> the free TV. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the the story was great. All the acting was incredible. It was it was a lot of fun, and it's one of those movies. Even though you know like how it goes because you've seen all this shit happen in so many different movies. You still feel like a lot of uh, tension with the, the the spaceship and everything, and then they they really drive home obviously the point with the uh, discrimination and everything. His role in it was not much. He was p- a perfect character to come in and be that like father character to uh, the family. And that little scene around the kitchen table was was moving for sure when he proposed. And then 2017, uh, he was in one episode of a show called Comrade Detective, which is, I think, available on Prime. Is it Prime or HBO? I wanted to. And then, because we couldn't cover Gopher Sisters as we had planned, as large as Critic Gap, we picked another movie that had a Critic Gap. It wasn't as large, but still a couple points away from each other. And uh, this one was Roxanne Roxanne in Rigby has got this one. Yeah, so Roxanne Roxanne uh, originally premiered at the 2017 Sundance Film Festival. The movie is based off the life of a female rapper uh, from 80s New York named Roxanne Chante. The movie basically chronicles her, you know, her upbringing. She, she comes from a kind of a rough background. In the first like 20 minutes of the movie, Nia Long, who plays uh, Roxanne's mother, she's trying to save up money for a, a new house. And she works, you know, overtime as a, as a nurse and, and tries to save this money. And she's living with her in with her live-in boyfriend and she's like look at all this money we've made we can finally buy a house and then there's a quick transition to the next scene and it's her talking about how the guy ran off with all the money and she's like this is what happens when you trust men and all this stuff so it just showed that was a a good introduction of the kind of life that um that roxanne lived growing up um she's kind of like she starts out the movie kind of dorky she's got She's got like braces and it's picked on and stuff. Um, but where she finds salvation, I guess, is she's a, uh, a freestyle rapper and she participates in these rap battles in her neighborhood and um, eventually gets noticed and gets uh, put on the radio and becomes a big star in New York. And that's where Mahershala Ali's character is introduced because he is this um, manager slash 
uh, yeah, I guess you could say manager. He he plays her manager in the movie, who kind of takes her under his wing. Um, and at first, you kind of think it's with good intentions, and then mm-hmm. as the movie uh, progresses, you realize that he's just kind of this predatory character who's you know twenty years older than her and is preying on her. Basically, um, he's extremely um, he's extremely abusive. I remember just. You know, he, he's got, he's the kind of character that like, you're just waiting to, for him to just go off. Basically. Um, the movie is really, I, I texted Kyle this last night. It, it's extremely well done in how they chronicle her life from like scene to scene. Um, my favorite scene in the movie or the, my favorite moment of the movie is there's a scene where uh, Roxanne and uh, Mahershala Ali, his name is Cross in the movie, by the way, I don't think I mentioned that um, they're having sex and you see Roxanne's face like moaning about the orgasm. And then it transitions to uh, her having uh, her in childbirth. And she's like, she's kind of, she's got that, um, you know, um, look on her face that she's, or that painful look on her face. Like she's going through childbirth uh, for lack of a better term. I don't really know how to describe that. Cause I've never, I don't know, Warren, you want to help me out here? What's what's an <laughs> orgasm? Not an orgasm. It's uh, it's what what's the woman's face when uh she get, she gives birth to a child. Uh, anyway, so it goes from it goes from her having sex to her giving uh birth to her getting dragged on the floor by cross. Um, it was literally you know it went from scene to scene to scene in like ten seconds. I thought that was genius how they did it. I saw it probably six seven months ago, so relatively recently. I watched a few scenes because I wanted to get a, a feel for Ali's character. Um, but I thought you know I thought it was a decent movie. They did a decent job, I think, telling that girl's story. They did, yeah, and he's he's great in it. I mean, he's yep. he's not in it really the first until the last half of the movie. Um, there's a in the, the first scene you see uh, Mahershala Ali, you kind of know he's going to be a sketchy character because um, he sees Roxanne and her friends in um, this bodega or this deli in New York. And he's like, hey, can you watch my kid for yeah. for a little bit? I got to go run out and do something. And he just like disappears for like hours. Um, so you kind of already know that this character is going to be kind of sketchy by the end of the movie. Um, and then he just he just becomes extremely abusive and goes down a dark path. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was good. I liked it. Nia Long was great. Um, you know, I would say, and Shante Adams who plays Roxanne Shante, she was fantastic. She's literally like in every scene. Um, and yeah, I was, um, I was impressed with it. It was a good watch. Um, I don't know. I don't have the critic gap scores off the top of my head, but it sounds like it was I guess seven to 10 points. It was, wasn't huge, but yeah. So um, it was a, for not being able to watch the designated uh, largest critic, critics gap. This was a this was a good one. I enjoyed it. Readily available on Netflix if you're listening and want to check it out. Yep. Um, Mike, where are you at? 2017 Sundance. I don't think it was 2017. Because what you maybe 2016. Okay. It premiered on Netflix in March of 2018. So obviously, so okay. it looks like Netflix bought the rights to it in December of 2017. After a, almost a year after Sundance. 2018 brings us, I guess, in terms of the actors we've covered, the first actor we've we've covered who's won more than one Academy Award, and mm-hmm. uh, that's for his work in Green Book. And uh, we're going into a Munson's Choice on this one. So if you if you're a first time listener, when we bring on guests, we cover those main five categories, and then we give our guests the option to select a movie. And this one was kind of a no brainer. If you're if Green Book wasn't going to be in one of the categories. 
uh, as his other Oscar-winning performance, it's definitely going to one be the one we're going to hit. So, Rodmaker, walk us through it, man. This was uh, definitely one worth covering. A um, couple notes on uh, this was Peter Farrelly's drama debut, uh, done solo, um, not Farrelly Brothers, just Peter on his own. Um, you can definitely feel and some of the lighter moments of the movie, uh, which I think was definitely enjoyable and really added some of the wider appeal. Uh, as you know, uh, Best Picture in 2018 and gave Mahershala Ali second Oscar, both for actor and a supporting role. Just kind of cursory, if you haven't seen it, uh, Green Book uh, follows kind of a, a virtuoso classical pianist, Dr. Don Shirley, played by Mahershala Ali, uh, and his driver slash heavy Tony Lip, uh, who is played by Viggo Mortensen. Um, they're on a performance tour of the Jim Crow South in the 1960s, so we're in a high racial tension period piece here. Tony Lip comes from a poor Italian family living in the Bronx and sort of a casual level of racism introduced to fairly early on in the film. Uh, you've seen, I think it was, where uh, he throws the glasses out of the, the plumbers, uh, much to his wife's chagrin. Um, <laughs> and so uh, that sets up a little bit of uh, kind of this unlikely friend's tale that you would expect. Um, you know, ultimately, he's got still Tony Lips got this no nonsense, j- just get the job done, working class man to him. And so we're off on on that lane. Um, meanwhile, uh, throughout the throughout the movie, Mahershala's character, Dr. Don Shirley, obviously um, brings an upper class, a dignified and a, and a principal performance to the, the screen and the role that he plays. Most of the first act, we see his character kind of coaching Tony Lip on some of the manners and just smoothing out some rough edges. That's where you get a lot of those lighter moments of humor. And um, it, it's uh, it's definitely kind of what you'd expect in the movie so far. Uh, it's not really until the second and the third act where we start to see a little bit more vulnerability from Dr. Shirley. Uh, he's painted as kind of this loner, distant from his family. Um, and it culminates in, in what's the best scene in the movie for me, uh, which is an argument after being pulled over by a racist cop in a sundown town. I think it's Mississippi, um, where Tony tells Dr. Shirley that he's blacker than he is as a man living in the Bronx compared to Dr. Shirley's castle above Carnegie Hall. Uh, It's a great scene. Um, They get into it quite a bit, and Marshall has got a line in there that really makes up what I would say is the strongest moment where he says, you know, if I'm not white enough and I'm not black enough, what am I? Yeah, Yeah, it just hits you pretty hard there and and, uh, gives you some solid perspective. The film received uh, quite a bit of criticism, kind of all over the the board on this one. Uh, A lot of criticism for its kind of feel-good buddy story take on what's a much deeper uh, race issue that's not really addressed. Uh, the Shirley family actually came out with a uh, public uh, statement condemning the film. Um, and so just again, for context, Tony Lip, uh, or I guess his name is um, Tony Vallelonga. Uh, his son, Nick Vallelonga, is one of the writers on this film, uh, drew from a lot of his father's stories and perspectives and audio tapes. Um, and so a lot of the criticism came from, we see this whole movie from his perspective and the Shirley family said they weren't contacted, uh, that a lot of the portrayal wasn't legit and that like, you know, uh, Dr. Shirley was the best man in his brother's wedding two years after this tour. And so he wasn't estranged. He wasn't lonely. And they, they felt like, um, it, it kind of shortchanged uh, his perspective, which obviously when you're dealing with, uh, an issue and a film and you know, the Jim Crow South, that's a pretty big omission to kind of leave out of this one. The strongest point of Mahershala's performance, and I would say 
the film as a whole is the rapport and the chemistry that uh, he and Viggo Morton have. Um, it's it's pretty apparent, I would say, from the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. I like Green Book a lot. Um, it obviously got hated on by Spike Lee because... That's my um, favorite. That's my favorite interview. Is there something about Green Book that offends you? This is what I'm trying to get. Offend? Are you British? Yeah. Are you British? I am. Let me give you a British answer. What's my cup of tea? <laughs> not my cup of tea! Spike Lee hated it because obviously it... Um, not only did he have Black Klansman as a competing movie, but I think Spike Lee's main criticism with it was that it portrayed the white man helping the black man basically. And, and, and it sort of downplayed the, the role, the power that, uh, that Craig Shirley had in society. That's what I think the criticism was from what I recall. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think a lot of it came down to, it was supposed to make white people feel good and be like, yeah, racism's yeah. dead. Right. We it was whitewashed. We, killed we it. solved it. Everybody whitewashed Time for lack of a better term. It's white guilt. Right. It's yeah. like, Hey, we put this nice story together, and and guys, now we've solved race solved racism. We're good to yep. go. Right. And I would argue, I would argue, Black Klansman was a better movie, but hundred percent. Um, but but Mahershala was definitely deserving of the Oscar in this movie, no doubt. He acted his ass off, man. To yeah. I think the two lead actors carry the entire movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yeah. For for supporting, the only other person I would have considered giving it to is Adam Driver from Black Klansman. It's yeah. Because mm-hmm. that that movie that movie rocked. And he was fantastic in it. My thoughts on this movie are that the criticisms are all justified. It's about as subtle as uh, a piano falling on someone's head with some of the scenes. But I still enjoy it. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a warm, yeah. good yep. movie. Yeah. When like, he shows up for dinner at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, it's my heart. Exactly. And it's like every criticism that I've heard is accurate. Accurate criticisms. But the two main actors clearly have a chemistry, and it's just like a feel-good story. Yep. And I admit that it's clearly dumbing down very serious issues, and it's still just fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I remember reading a review when it came out at the time that said it's it's as warm as a Christmas sweater, and I agree. With it. Warm and cozy as a Christmas sweater. <laughs> I agree. It's it's extreme. Like it just it's just like a it's Hollywood. You know, it's like meant to make you feel good, and that's what the movie did. Where would we be if we didn't end the movie at a Christmas dinner? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know we are a collective group of white people, and I think we've got yes, I, I, I enjoyed watching it. It was it was a like a movie, but I was I was uneasy because I was like the the worst thing said in the movie was directed towards Vigo Mortensen's character and he like acted on it. And it wasn't the worst thing, but like they made it seem like that was the pinnacle of insults was when they, uh, the, with the cop in the, the town and he punches oh, the and, cop yeah, when, mm-hmm. and they, where he calls him the, N-word, yes. And it's like, Oh, the white guy got insulted by the N word. Like, this whole movie is about racism towards black. People. Yes. Yes. And so like, like Mike, exactly what you were saying with that. Like, I'm, I'm not white. I'm not white enough. I'm not black enough. Like, what am I? Like that was, that was like a devastating scene. And, uh, I, I, and like the only, we've got our, like how we felt about it. And then you have Spike Lee and how he felt about it. So that's like your, your spectrum. And I, I would really like to hear like what 
a majority of black people felt when they watched this movie, if they even gave it a shot, because <laughs> it is 100% a, a whitewashing of a story. And it would be like going into Moonlight and being like, I'm going to do it from the perspective of the science teacher or some shit like <laughs> right. that. Like, <laughs> why, why, why would you do that? And yes, I think v- Vigo killed it. He was extremely entertaining. And to have a 62-year-old like Swedish guy play a 45-year-old Italian guy, that's incredible acting. So mm-hmm. um you know, he, he was very entertaining and like I, I watched it with my wife who's from an Italian family as well. And so she was kind of laughing along at those things, but she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so uncomfortable because this is so familiar to things that I have witnessed growing up. It's just like you said, it was like, oh yeah, we're like, we're Italian. And, but like anything that you say about another group, they're like, well, they'll just say worse things about us. So it's like, that's just how they, they view it. If the movie hadn't won best, best picture and it just like stayed off the, the awards radar, I don't think there would have been any issues, no criticism, but because it won the biggest award in the land and it was an all white dude writing team, that is why yep. it's criticized the way it is because the perspective of the film. 2018 to 2019, um, he was in another video game, lent his likeness to a storyline in Madden 2018. So. You know, a lot of people play Madden. You know, Mahershal is... Ever heard of it? I, you know, I, I haven't bought it in years since Calvin Johnson was on the cover, but I'm well aware it comes out every year, like clockwork. <laughs> um, and then in 2018, he's in a freaking banger of a movie. It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. is Uncle Aaron, and that movie is awesome. It's on my Mount Rushmore of uh, superhero movies. False. It's far and away the best. Uh, far and away the best Spider-Man movie. Not it's even the best. It's probably the best animated film in the last five years. I would agree with that. I think I think it's incomparable to say like to, I've heard a lot of people say like oh this is the best Marvel movie to come out. It's 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 incomparable, but it is an incredible movie. It's like there's a reason it won the awards that it did, but it's like it's apples and oranges within the same thing. I felt bad for everybody else nominated in best animated feature that year. It's like <laughs> you tried. But you know where this is going. The comic book style of that one is just something you do not see in the mainstream in Hollywood. You get a lot of it internationally and in some of these smaller individual independent film categories. But man, on that scale and to that level, polish, unbelievable. And his role as Uncle Aaron, pivotal part of the story um, in terms of like this cognitive dissonance of, you know, working for Kingpin and, you know, trying to be a a good uncle and uh, having your own nephew caught in the middle. Um, And he does a pretty good job. In that role. The scene where Miles finally learns how to be Spider-Man gives me chills every time. That, so gladly <laughs> that soundtrack, debate bro. to the end of the world. It's unbelievable. What the the this free fall, top, right? Top four superhero. The yeah, the free fall. Oh yeah, that that gives me chills every time I watch it. And then finally, uh, he was in one episode of a show called Room One. And our last category is largest audience gap. So a film that audiences tend to love a little bit more than the critics. And let me tell you, Twitter loves this movie because people i don't know if they've captured a bot farm but the alita battle angel twitter supporters are just they're all over the place man so um case has got that one so alita battle angel is a uh, 2019 film like kyle was talking about and uh, it's directed by robert rodriguez and produced by james cameron mahershala was really he was very interested in this project. He wanted to be directed by Robert Rodriguez. He was very interested in that because he became a pretty big fan of him uh, when Robert Rodriguez was a producer on Predators. This was something that he was really interested in. And he also wanted to have the opportunity to work with 
James Cameron. Interestingly enough, this movie was actually announced in 2003. Oh. It took uh, 13 years for the work to come out, be, or for the movie to come out, because James Cameron's involvement on Avatar. Bro, Cameron does that with everything. It's unbelievable. It took Alita Battle Angel fans a long time to get this after it was announced. But at the same time, Cameron incorporated a lot of the technology that I was about to say. he was developing and, and use, you know, that he was using an avatar. To make Salazar look like that, it probably took a lot of years to make it look good. It, it's incredible. This movie is visually stunning. Yeah. We talked a couple weeks ago about, um, or a couple episodes ago, about The Fifth Element and how, how well that built worlds. I mean, this movie it does a fantastic job of, of visually just creating this space that these characters can live in and and it's a really, it was a really neat movie to watch. I'll, I'll just jump out of it in front because I know James likes to know this. You know, as a 92 audience, 61 critic, I'm firmly on the side of the audience. I, I just really enjoyed watching it. One of the reasons a lot of the critics don't like it is a lot of the backstory is built in the anime series that this is built on. So you have to kind of be a fan of this world to be caught up. Some of the characters probably weren't as developed as a lot of critics liked, and maybe some of the storylines. We kind of jumped around a little bit more than normal, and that's one of the things critics didn't like. But I thought it was a really good movie, and uh, and I enjoyed it. But the the basic premise of this is Alita is a cyborg that Christoph Waltz's character finds, who helps people with amputees, uh, and he he helps fit them with with robotic arms or robotic legs and different things. And so he basically rebuilds this cyborg, sort of not knowing what she is. Kind of has he kind of has an idea, right? And so he basically rebuilds her, and she's kind of this super being. She becomes friends with this neighborhood kid named Hugo, and he introduces her to rollerball. And she kind of gravitates towards this physical sport, and and is is obviously good at it because she's just far superior than others. She's a specimen. She is a specimen. That's right. You know, the movie's kind of going back and forth on 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 that on that storyline. Well, the greater picture is there's you see this giant ship that's over this huge kind of I don't want to call it a slum, but this huge city that's that's clearly um, dilapidated. And meanwhile, you have this big ship and that's called Zalem. That's the that's like the nice place to live. And that's where everybody wants to go. And a lot of the people are really motivated to try to get their way into it. That's where Mahershala Ali's character Vector comes in. Vector is kind of like, um, what would he be, a commissioner of the Rollerball League? Yeah, he's the Roger Goodell of Yeah. He's, yep. he's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's the architect. And one of the interesting things that Ali said in an interview was, he never looks at his characters as being a villain or a bad guy. Because it, it kind of depends on what angle you're looking at that person. So he wants to play that person as justified as he can and let the audience decide. And so I think that's mm. one of the reasons that he does villains so well. But at the end of it, to me, it felt like a prequel to two or three movies yeah, in a series. They're going to do, they're definitely yeah. going to do sequels. It'll just take Cameron 20 years. They just did it so far out of like, it was the order was terrible how they decided to do this. Yeah. Was, I was intrigued by the, the graphics and everything, but the rest of the movie just, it, 
Like they could have, they should have just cut out the entire rollerball thing. Like, I wanted all about her as the the army force that she was a part of. Yeah, leading up to all that, like that would have been so much cooler with the the big battle that they fought in space, which ended her up to where she was. Yeah, or even just focusing on her as that hunter warrior, where you know she's a bounty hunter. Yeah. You know, tracking down cyborgs. That would have been a really interesting. T- I, I thought the same thing, Warren. Outside of the fact that it was just kind of cool watching this, this oh, yeah. sport that that they're creating. Anything fantastic script wise, and yeah, it, it was one hundred percent just like visual, like overload. But it was so detailed and everything. And there were some mm-hmm. there were some incredible, uh, very small cameos in the uh, in the movie. That's kind of Cameron's go to, where it's. Look at this really cool visual effects I'm doing, and also the most surface level story you've ever seen. Yeah, but those are the good guys; those are the bad guys. You're rooting for this person, but look at this! Isn't this badass? The movie reminds you that Christoph Waltz can carry any story, and yeah. uh, Mahershala is a good heavy. He just like the nuanced nature of playing like uh, manipulative. Yeah, he's um, he's a great heavy. You know, I wish he was in it more. Christoph, both him and Mahershala. Yeah, they're good. So that's Alita. Thanks, Case. Yeah. And to round out his career, um, so in the past year and a half, two years, uh, he was in season three of True Detective as Wayne Hayes. And he was great in that. Um, yeah. There's three seasons of it. Season two stinks. Season one was so unbelievable that it like relaunched Matthew McConaughey's career. Uh, it's Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, and it's an awesome, awesome show. So that got me pumped for season two which was terrible <laughs> and so when season three came back everyone was kind of like all right well i don't know season two was bad let's see where this goes and so they i think they kind of just went in with no expectations and that really helped uh because Mahershala was great and it was again what he's good at commanding presence nuanced story depth of character it's funny with true detective because like you said the first season was so good and then they you could tell they just rushed the second season mm-hmm you know, I think there was like a four-year break between seasons two and three, and it just shows if you reset and actually sit down and and have a concept for a show, it shows what it can do. That's great. Cool. Who is this co-lead? Fucking uh, Stephen Dorff. Yeah, oh, Stephen Dorff. Dorf. Nice. Yeah. 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 Yep. Those yep. two together, so good. And uh, honestly, if it's like Stephen Dorff for me, the only thing that I really remember watching him in was the first Blade movie with Wesley yep. Snipes. Same. He's excellent in that. Oh yeah, they're uh, f- yeah fucking what's his name Frost. The show was great. I watched it this week. Mahershal absolutely kills it. Like he has to play yeah. the same character in three different time periods: nineteen eighty, nineteen ninety, and then twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. I only watched. I watched the first season. I watched the first episode of the second season. Stopped, and then I watched the third season. And if this had come out in the place of the second season, or even if they didn't have the second season the numbers would have been so much higher. Like Mm -hmm. season two per view, like each episode had like three to 5 million viewers. And this season, season three only had like one and change. Wow. It really sucks that that happened because I think even, even if you had waited five years between them, it would have just kept people teased enough for it. It was, it was definitely, definitely a good show and he was incredible in it. Uh contrast between the the three characters he played was amazing yeah for one actor to be able to pull that off yeah it was incredible so some range is what i'm hearing a little bit oh, of range yeah, dude. he crushed it as the old man fuck yeah dude i think that's yeah. what 
he like as the old guy who's teetering on dementia it was so believable that like you're sitting there like oh i really hope this dude figures this out because like he's going any day now and it's not not looking good and you just want him to figure my score for him is going up with all these projects i haven't seen 100 percent think that uh if he needs to play morgan freeman in a biopic he could easily easily kill it well, speaking of shows that uh, people were crushing to prep for this uh, this episode, Warren, you said you were crushing True Detective. I watched all of season two of Rami. I probably should have watched the first season to get some context, but you know they give you recaps so you can get the quick rundown. But his most recent work is in 2020's uh, Rami. He plays uh, the Sheikh Malik, who is Rami's Sheikh. And I love this. Sh- I don't know if any of you have seen Rami. Um, Kelsey watches it, and she spoke really highly of it, um, but it's basically the story. It's written by Rami Youssef, and it's about the trials and tribulations of being a Muslim in today's world and navigating family, faith, sex, all this stuff. And um, Ali plays you know, a holy man and in the Muslim faith, which he had converted to 20 years earlier. And he is his character is one of those... He, he's one of those people that is supposed to think the best about people and not overreact emotionally to situations, even though people are constantly shitty to him, especially the people out front of the the mosque with, you know, Muslims that are the worst signs and they're bringing out hot chocolate for them and they're saying really nasty stuff. And the one guy uh, gets beat up and he's there taking care of him and praying for him at his bedside. And, and Ali just does that character well, but it's an awesome show. I feel like it, that's something like when I watched it initially, I got a, a little bit of like a master of none vibe uh, where it's kind of the same yeah. thing. It like compares a lot of cultural differences and the challenges mm-hmm. being in a minority group, minority religion, you name it. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. It's nice to see more of that coming out and providing perspectives that most of us just never get. There's some really uncomfortable scenes, but uh, Ali's character is really good in that. And yeah, I think it's pretty close to him considering his faith. I'm sure he was pretty... Uh, happy to take on that role and then finally he got into producing recently he was a producer on the uh the documentary we are the dream the kids of the oakland martin luther king oratorical fest he was uh born in oakland california um which is also our latest season of last chance you at laney college that takes us all the way to today um rigby you got any top performances for us I found this list from Goliath Magazine. It's a film review magazine. And I, I picked it because the number one on the list is going to get some wild reaction from this from this podcast. So basically, what this guy did was he said these are the best performances of any actor in the, in the, of the decade from 2010 to 2020. Mahershala Ali is in, is in the top five. And if you guys want to guess what number he is and what role it is, that would be... That'd be good. But then I want you to guess, try to guess what else is in the top five. And we don't have to go too long on this, but I just want to reveal number one just to get re- your reaction. It's movies? Yes, it's movies. It's movies. Is the Mahershal role something that you wouldn't expect? No, it's not. So it's probably Green Book. Uh, it is Moonlight. It's Moonlight? Okay. Yes. And that is, that is number three. So he call, This guy called Mahershala Ali's performance in Moonlight the third best acting performance of the decade. Oh, man, he is, he is good, but that um, is hard. Give me J.K. Simmons, Whiplash. Instead of J.K. Simmons, they have another creepy character, Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. Oh, that's oh, pretty awesome. I, won't, I disagree. Really won't disagree with that. And that's number four. Number five is also is a tremendous performance, uh, Lupita Nyong'o in 12 Years a Slave. Oh, nice. Number three is Mahershala. 
Number two, I don't know. She didn't win Best Actress for this, but Kate Blanchett and Carol. I mean, she's good in that. Ah, the Cincinnati film. Each of you guess what you think number one is, because I guarantee you're not going right, to get it. Tell us it's male or female actor. It's male. Pre-2015 or post-2015? and then we'll Pre-2015. Male 2015. Hmm. Is it? Titanic was in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. We've, I'll give you a hint. We've, uh, it's a movie that we've covered on the pod. Oh, that certainly Randy Malick, Bohemian Rhapsody. No, dude, I was going to say nope. All right, all right. So, all right, hold on, hold on. I will say it, you are. Close it's a Marsden movie. It's got to be nope. a Marsden movie. It's not Marsden. I'm, I'm I was going to guess Jared Leto, Dallas Buyers Club. Nope. So it's it's. But is it an actor we've covered, or is it? It's just not an actor we covered. It's just a movie. Oh. He's in a movie that we've covered. Is it from The Master? It is oh, Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman in The Master. Ah, <laughs> yes. Warren, your favorite. I wanted to do a little critical thinking, but I probably just gave it away when I said this will get a good reaction on the podcast. So no, um, mean, every time I hear The Master, I think of James. Yeah, can gift. No, yeah, actually, <laughs> did I say The Master? I meant The Master of Disguise. I'm sorry, I meant Dana Carvey. That's the one. <laughs> so I thought that was I thought that was a fun list to go to because I think that's that's probably something that we would just talk about if we were shooting the shit. So it's an interesting list for sure. If if you're listening right now and you're uh, where that reference goes to, I think that's the uh, what episode is that? That's the Rami, Rami Malik, Malik episode. Yeah. Rami Malik episode. Go listen to that episode. Wait, just go to the part where. Warren is laughing maniacally, and you'll know you're in the right spot. So it's like the yeah. 56 minute mark, I think, something like that. Don't go watch the movie. Just go like go to go find a field and go lay down and watch the grass fucking grow. <laughs> All right, or just listen to the podcast. They'll get what they need out of it. It's, it is good acting. The movie just sucks. A peek behind the curtain. Warren texted me outside of our group chat. Was like. So did you like the master? I was like, I didn't watch it at all, but because you like, uh, because you hate it, I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Time for the Munson meter. We're going to get into some reviews. Um, if you're a first time listener, what we do is we rank every actor that we cover on a scale of zero to a hundred. We look at their longevity, how long have they been in the game, how consistent have they been. We look at their pop culture impact. Uh, we look at their range as actors. Um, are they in a number of different roles? Are they a character actor? Right, kind of they pigeonholed into one area. We look at their awards footprint. We examine if they have any other talents outside of acting. We look at their personal life. How good of a human are they? And then we also reserve some space to give them some points if they've got a comedic side to them so with all that warren's gonna get us started i think the first thing i really remember him being in and i was like holy shit who is that guy it would definitely be uh luke cage uh, i was just like god who is this guy who is this guy and couldn't remember like seeing him in a couple other movies and you know even even though predators is fantastic uh like d- didn't really remember him from that at the time but like Kyle said at the beginning, his on Rotten Tomatoes, his like hit percentage is better than anybody that we've covered in a freshness perspective. But the number of roles where he is like a considerable figure in the movie, it's only like four out of the like 20 movies that he's mm-hmm. credited in. But two of those four, he's got a best best supporting actor nom. 
which is kind of crazy to think. I, I honestly would expect him in more lead roles, and I think we're definitely going to get that in uh, Blade coming up. I, I just like I couldn't believe that he really hadn't been a uh, a lead in any movie, and the one that he absolutely was, like basically second build, like a lead number two. Yeah, he wins the the best supporting actor nom force, but uh, he definitely definitely deserved that one. Other than that, like we know the music and everything, you guys can touch on that. But I'm gonna give him a uh, an 80. I think that the future for him is uh, like he can be very very selective on what he wants to do, and I think that we're going to see some incredible things come through. I think he's gonna work with some some big name people coming up. Nothing's been announced, but uh, I think he's going to be in the game for a long time. And we're still just kind of seeing, you know, the past six years has kind of been really him. So he's going to be around for a long time, hopefully. And I think we're going to see a lot, a lot of really important stuff from him in the future. Rigby. You hit the nail on the head, Warren. Um, This guy's a total stud. The fact that he got started in, in my eyes, his career started uh, on house of cards. Um, you know, or his career launched on House of Cards, I should say. And then it's kind of just progressed from there. Two Best Supporting Actor nods. The first, the only African-American actor to win two of those, um, which is pretty mm-hmm. impressive. And I think the sky's the limit with this guy. I mean, he's, I could see him winning two or three more Oscars before it's all said and done, um, including a Best Actor, not just supporting. He can be the lead role in pretty much anything. Um, he just got total charisma. He seems like a good dude. Got good style. He seems just like he's a, I don't know, like he... He'd be fun to have a drink with and just like kind of kick back and talk about stuff. No controversies that I'm aware of that to to uh, to bat down his uh, his social score. So I'm gonna give him 85. James, what you guys had said, uh, he lives up to the hype. He's only in movies that I apparently love, other than the ones I've never heard of. Uh, I was actually shocked that he was in so many really good movies. I knew of the big one, I knew of uh, Luke Cage, and I knew. House of Cards and House of Cards is where I was introduced to him as well. And I felt like he stole every scene there and he pretty much has stolen every scene in every show he's been in. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the movies I've seen him in, I love him. He was the first Muslim actor to win an uh, Oscar. He's one of only two black actors to win multiple acting Oscars. He raps. He's got a, a smooth jumper. Uh, he's <laughs> awesome in everything he does. Um, I think he is a Marvel movie away from being, you know, a bona fide movie star and household name, even with a difficult name uh, to pronounce. And I actually give him the exact same score as you. I'm an 85. Sweet. Rodmaker, you're up, buddy. Uh, you guys have covered a lot of it. So, you know, without you know, being a dead horse here, a um, couple points. I just, I love the guy's range uh, in such a short career. One of the things that sticks out to me the most is I, like, I haven't seen him do anything that hasn't impressed. And I I can't think of a lot of actors or actresses I can say that about. So that's pretty good. Uh, Points in my book for music career. I'm I'm big into artists creating in all forms of art. I think that's uh, really great. Uh, And I think you expand that. Um, Hard to argue with two out of two. Uh, I guess looking ahead, like I I think I think Warren, you said this. I want to see him get the spotlight all to him at some point. Uh, and I'm really curious, uh, now that he's got uh, plenty of clout uh, behind him, like, what's his dream project? What does he want to throw 
weight behind and, you know, EP and just knock out of the park because, you know, I think we'll see him do that at some point. Uh, might be another or something. Uh, and to confirm, uh, he is the Ursula pops up on my Google search. Uh, so <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> and, <laughs> if he's not a household name outside of people in the film and Hollywood industry, it's not going to be long uh, before he is. So um, I'm going to say I, I had the same number been uh back to back here i'm gonna stick with 85 as well only gonna make a couple points because you guys have pretty much hit everything at this at this juncture um outside of his oscar wins he's got um three sags one bafta golden globe he's got a three emmy noms um so that he's been cleaning up on the award side and only really uh 20 years of work 12 years of film work i liken him a lot to rami malik in that Mm -hmm. They both haven't been in the game very long, but they have done incredible work in the short time they've been there. And much like Rami, we talked about, we wish we would have done the pod after he was in 007 yeah. or in the next James Bond movie. You know, I w- much like Warren, I wish we would have been able to see Blade before we covered him, just kind of see what he looked like in a superhero role because his range would only go up from uh, from my standpoint. The only area I'm knocking him on, well, two areas, comedy, because I haven't really seen the comedy chops from him. And then longevity, just by the nature of he's only been doing film work for 12 years. That's not stuff he can control, but just to be consistent with everybody that I cover, I got to give that score. So I'm I'm actually going to give the lowest score of everyone up to this point. I'm giving him a 78. Case, round us out. I would like to see him not necessarily do any comedies, but I'm looking at the list of movies, and they're all very heavy, very serious movies. So at some point, I'd like to see him do something that's maybe a little bit lighter. You know, he really kind of measured up in my book to uh, Chastain. Uh, I really like his presence in the movies and the TV shows he's in. The thing that I think he's done the best in his career, I think he's chosen projects a lot better than everybody else has. For a new actor who doesn't always have the ability to pick great projects, to kind of take what you can get. I mean, he's hit home runs mm-hmm. on every, even if it's a tiny role, he's hit home runs for the most part, other than Supremacy yep. and Free State of Jones. He's he's phenomenal, and, and I really enjoyed watching all his movies, and I'm going to give him an 80. With all that said, Warren, what does that bring us in average? Gentlemen, we've got a new number one. All right. <laughs> Mahershala all right. Ali scores an 82.17, which puts him in at first. That's by a margin, too, because Janie barely. He's up by, he's up by uh, 0.7 over Janie. He's our highest score. That's awesome. All right, Warren, um, I know we touched on it a little bit, but what uh, projects does he have coming? Blade. Phase four, Marvel. Ever heard of those it? awesome, awesome movies that were like the first real Marvel movies that came out back in the uh, like late nineties with Wesley Snipes. Should be pretty badass. Um, I really hope yeah, that they end up taking it a even darker than what's expected out of the new Doctor Strange. We'll we'll see how that goes, but it's it's still just like in the very very early stages um he has nothing else going on that's been announced uh there's a tv series but i can't even really find him in the uh the list of characters so uh blade he's gonna be awesome it'll be a big one oh yeah he's gonna be he's gonna kill that role man we're putting some actors on the wheel and the wheel will speak at some point and those those five actors are deb patel Roseman Pike, Gugu Mbatha Raw, Ben Kingsley, and Jason Sudeikis. Munson's with Rod Maker included. What do we think about that list? I don't know a, a good portion of the list. Ben Kingsley, baby. 
I want Sudeikis so I can keep watching Ted Lasso. Yep. <laughs> That's true. I've heard good things. Ben Kingsley's probably the correct answer, but I don't know. Like, Dev Patel, Roseman Pike, and I'm going to butcher uh, is Gugu. Gugu. Bathara. Yeah. I can only name one movie per each of those people. <laughs> so the fact that there is like 10 movies to choose from, I'm actually shocked. So I don't know anything about that. Deb Patel obviously came heavy into the game with Slumdog and then has done a number of decent projects over the years, Lion and some other good ones. I want Ben Kingsley just because we get to watch some old stuff, which I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be cheering for Kingsley as well. Kingsley or Sudeikis? I'd like Sudeikis. So I can watch Horrible yeah. Bosses yeah. 10 times. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Freaking me out in his little special chair. <laughs> Just, uh, Rodney, we were talking about how uh, Colin Farrell's character is like one of the most underrated comedy uh, roles in past memory. Oh, for sure. Like to bend her over barrel and show the 50 states. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People don't say that. Yeah. Yeah. I just want you to fire all the fat people. They gross me out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching Gandhi for like a week and a half in my religion class in high school. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, it takes a Get week and like a half 30, to watch it, dude. 30-minute segments. That's a long movie. It's a four-hour movie. It's a long Damn. It's a good movie, but it is long, bro. It is very long. If we do Kingsley, we can talk about his role in The Sopranos. That's right. Oh, that's right. He talks to Christopher yeah. down in like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of who it lands on you know we'll crush it and uh, as always the wheel decides the wheel decides there you go right on brand our next podcast will hit on september 10th as of now we're planning to roll with that one uh with no guests but that's okay every once in a while people make time for us and in this case mike was here to hang out we love it so mike congratulations on being part of the uh the highest scored actor that Hit so far, you know, that's yeah, for now. Thanks for joining us, Mike. No, no coincidence, Mike. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mike, do you have any plugs? Anything you want to tell our audience? Uh, Words of wisdom, places to go check out your SoundCloud, whatever it happens to be. COVID has has, uh, certainly given me the opportunity uh, as a photographer and film guy with uh, work being a little slow to focus on kind of refining some stuff. And uh, I've actually really taken advantage of the time to print some of my finally which has been super rewarding uh for anybody out there photographer hobbyist whatever print your work it's awesome it's super rewarding to hang it on your wall or just to have it mm. yeah so that, that's been kind of my my project as of late uh i've got a print shop going up on my website uh by the time the podcast hits here and i'm just at www.michaelrodmaker.com so yeah if you got any empty space on your wall and you're looking to fill it uh happy to help you out there hell yeah but yeah, you know, put my stuff on Instagram. I'm at M Rodmaker there. And yeah. yeah, support independent film. Awesome. Hell yeah. You know, I'm on board with it. We'll we'll tag your your IG and all the things and we'll share your link out with our audience. That way they can uh, check out your stuff, man. Good stuff. Appreciate it. We, yeah, we appreciate you being with us, brother. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It was awesome. Yeah, this was a good time. A lot of fun. Just to kind of send us out here, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Munson's at Movies. You can catch us on Instagram at Munson's at the Movies. You can email us, Munson's at the movies at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do interact with Troll Us. Do whatever you need to. <laughs> if you're a Russian bot account, just type the number five, and that's cool too. We're down. Mm-hmm. And I hope that person is listening from Russia and the hate will force our Russian listen numbers to go up. Hopefully that's where it takes us. Um, any final thoughts from the Munson's? You like my biggie photo? Me too. You know what draws your eye when you look at that? The crown. 
Want to know why? Because everybody wants to be the king. All right, Munson's out. All right, let's go. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. Doctor, shall we? <laughs>